Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to It's Lit, where all things literary live at the root. I'm Danielle Belton, editor-in-chief of The Root, and here as always with me is Maisha Kai. Managing Editor of The Glow Up. And today we're chasing things up a little and bringing you a holiday special because we want to say happy holidays. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you, Danielle, since I know you celebrate Christmas. That is true. I am what you call (laughs) a secular holiday person. As I celebrate all the holidays, but would probably burst into flames if I walked into a church. But Merry Christmas to you too, Maisha. (laughs) You know, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's pretty cool that our first, our very first special holiday episode of It's Lit actually falls on Christmas. How are you celebrating in this most untraditional of years? It is definitely untraditional. And to be honest, as difficult as this year has been, spending the holidays like, you know, safely nestled at home with a good book is exactly what I want to be doing most Christmases. So, you know, this to me is the ideal way to decompress and reflect on this crazy year. (laughs) I could not agree with you more. We've arguably had way too much downtime this year, but it has provided us the opportunity to dig into some really good books. Yeah. And now's the perfect time to reflect on all the great books we've been reading. Maisha, we don't have a special guest this week, since there are each other's special guests. <laughs> You're the special guest. We're the special guest for each other. You're my special guest. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the people we would normally have on, they're off undoubtedly celebrating the holiday, you know, as well. So that they, you know, they they need some time off from promoting their books. But since you are the Roots resident list and gift guide maker. How do you feel about reviewing some of your favorite books that you've read this past year? I mean, there's piles and piles around here. I don't see why not. Let's do it. You know, I'm always down to talk about books. Yeah. Let's talk (laughs) about books. So let's start off with a category that is, you know, all about like the page turner, you know, the one that you just were super into that you just like, I got to finish this thing as quickly as possible because I just want to inject it. It took my veins. Mm, mm-hmm. Was there a book this year that you could not put down? Oh, man. Um, I mean, there were a few. I'm going to have to say, for me, uh, Britt Bennett's The Vanishing Half really had me captivated this year. It was really like I was I was in there. And, you know, for so many reasons, I just think like, you know, you have this like I love anything with a with a period piece aspect to it, you know, and this really had that. You were really kind of like taken back into this small, like made up town with these people. And, you know, I think the themes of colorism 
in that book as well and just how that functions and like bringing that into a modern day context in terms of the phenomenon of like passing. I can say that without spoiling it for people who haven't read it. I thought we're really, really fascinating and fascinating and well handled. And it's a conversation that I don't think we can have enough, particularly in our communities. I often wonder like how people outside of our community <laughs> process that information. But I thought she handled it so deftly this year. Like I, 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 I just, I was really into that book. What, what was the page turner for you that you just like, you were just all about it, so into it? Oh, because I'm fascinated by the psychology of dysfunctional families. Mm. Um, I was really into Too Much and Never Enough by Mary Trump. Like, the fact that she just put I it mean, all out there, the dysfunction, the abuse, just the, all the layers, the so many layers that led to this Frankenstein monster that is our outgoing president was fascinating. I was riveted the whole time. And the way that she wrote it, it didn't feel like a traditional memoir. It, it felt like I was just reading mm-hmm. an incredible novel about the world's most horrible family. And she just happened to be part of it. Well, it is kind of like a cautionary tale, right? Like we see what that kind of dysfunction has wrought on America <laughs> and the world. So, I mean, I could totally understand being uh, transfixed by that. And, you know, it's been cool to hear from a, from a member of the Trump family who's not just like parroting Weird, yeah, it's not just drinking non-factual the you know, tr- so talking points, right? You know, I got to say, I have to also shout out another page turner for me, Yajasi, who, you know, she did. So this year it was Transcendent Kingdom, but it followed Homecoming. And I read both of those books this year. I, I was late on, on Homecoming. And she's another one who, when you talk about crafting a narrative and like really, really like getting in the weeds with the research and and just all these like intersecting narratives. I I I can't like let us get past the category of page turners and books that I just absolutely cannot put down without also giving her a shout because I just think like such tremendous where <laughs> I can't even imagine how much research went into that. You can probably imagine it, y'all. I know you're a huge researcher. Oh, totally. I was just in awe. I was in awe of the detail. Well yeah, and you know speaking of like dysfunctional families, what Mary Trump's book reminded me of was probably of the most iconic, famous, well-known, tell-all family memoir of Mommy Dearest. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> you know, about, <laughs> like, I read Mommy Dearest when I was living in Bakersfield, California, uh, and I was in my 20s. And man, like, I thought the movie was good, even though it's like a trashy good romp with Faye Dunaway as Oh, the, it's so uh, good. As, as Mommy Dearest. <laughs> as, I'm blanking on the actress's name. What was her name? That she Faye portrayed? Dunaway. You, yeah. Yeah. No, who was Faye Dunaway portraying? Oh, sorry. Joan Crawford. Yeah, was Joan one Crawford. of my all time. Thank you. You know, I, one Christina of my all time favorites. was the yes. author of the book. That's right. That's right. I'm like, I'm a huge old movie buff. So I am also a huge Mommy Dearest fan just for the pure camp of it. Cause it's no wire amazing. hangers ever. Ever. No wire hangers. <laughs> don't do it. I don't have any wire hangers to this day for that very reason. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. So moving along, I'm wondering, you know, there are so many classics, you know, like novels that, you know, they're just part of the canon, like things that you just have mm. to read, either because they're part of the great American novel. They are, you know, international literature that has like stood the test of time. 
We're talking about everything from like your pride and prejudices to your great expectations, a book that I hate. What heat of I know. We've talked about how much we hate this book. Oh my God, it's it's trash. <laughs> but um, he clearly got paid per word. Dickens got paid per word. That was obvious from the giddy. Oh my God, I love I love you just because you said Dickens is trash. <laughs> yeah, I because he got paid by the word. It was obvious. Like he he was submitting, you know, like serials of that be, eventually became the novel, the magazines, and they were like, oh, we'll pay you per word. He was like, great, I'm going to use all of them because I need that I money. Mean, Fair. Listen. Brilliant writer, just too many <laughs> words. You got to. <laughs> too many words, too many words, too many words. I feel like he Fair. would have edited that shit Fair. down if his life hadn't depended, if his livelihood hadn't depended on it. But I so say that this is not a classic point, you would what? recommend. <laughs> no, I, I would not recommend it, even though I know people love it. I just, oh. the only thing okay. I got is I'd still, ref- I'd still reference Miss Havisham to this day. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. She's, she's burnt Absolutely. into my brain. I mean, speaking of iconic actresses, I'm actually very fond of Anne Bancroft's rendering of Miss Havisham, oh, which wow. is like the only part of the remake that I, I liked of the film in, in the 90s. That and the all green, like everything was very weird to me. But yeah, I have to yeah, shout out Anne yeah. Bancroft because I loved her. I loved her in that role. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of classics that I say you should not read, what are okay. some classics that everyone should be reading? Um, I'm probably going to get, uh, voted off the island for this one just because it's such a cliche. No, don't say it. It is not Dickens. It's not Dickens. (laughs) That might get me fired. (laughs) No, it's not Dickens. You know, Walter Mosley actually brought this one up too. So I feel somewhat affirmed in this choice, but I am a person who loves 100 years of solitude. I'm a huge Garcia Marquez fan. Not because I'm trying to exoticize magical realism, actually. I think that that's a very dangerous thing to do. Um, but I do think that it is a, again, I, I, obviously I love sweeping intergenerational narratives that intersect and, and incredible things happen and really get you to think outside the box. And that is a book that I read again and again and again. I've been reading it since college again and again and again. So I'm going to go with that and. And, because <laughs> apparently I'm picking two of everything, um, and I'm going to go with, because it's the 50th year since it was published, The Bluest Eye. Uh, I was going to say the same thing. It's okay. We can say the same thing. In fact, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to pass the baton then, and you no, talk I about why you up. love it. Okay, fine. Up. No, you talk fine. about The Bluest Eye. You go okay, for we it. Could both, I think we should both talk. You know what? Actually, that's it's relevant because, you know, huge controversy. Uh, you know, at least for us <laughs> this past week is Jenna Bush Hager on the Today Show hosting a celebration of Toni Morrison, which, hey, I'm all for celebrating Toni all day, every day, all the time. So that happened on Monday. But and I'm just going to leave that right there. But <laughs> yeah, they can read about it on the root. But I, you know. This is a book that was written for black girls. It just was, you know, yes. and not even for black girl, uh, black girls necessarily like us or, you know, who look like us. It, but this was a, this was a book for black girls. Tony said she wrote it for black girls. Yes. I'm a call auntie Tony, Tony. And I, um, I can't believe it's been 50 years. First of all, for some reason I was sitting there trying to do the math. Like there's no way it's been 50 years, but I, it has. So it predates both of us, but I just think. 
you know, when you talk about these narratives and, and really, um, centering black girl stories, which are not always pretty or palatable or mm-hmm. whatever, but they're also not, you know, inherently infused with pain. It's, it's not an easy book to read. It's not even a long book, but I think it's a necessary book. Um, while I was really uncomfortable with the idea of like, a Bush daughter <laughs> leading that conversation. I am going to say I am glad that it is brought to a national platform. I think it's, I, I do think it's, and, and brought there again and again and again. I, I just think it's a vital book for people to read. Well, I mean, so that's it is take. a book, a seminal book about black girlhood, mm-hmm. about colorism, about racism and poverty and so many different, you know, th- so many different things are infused in that book. I feel like it is a must read for every black girl when she yes. gets a certain age. Yes. Like once you become like a teenager, like you, sh- you should read The Bluest Eye. That is a coming of age story. It is. Yes. Yes. Because there's so many elements of it that are relatable, even if you aren't dark skinned. Just the mm-hmm. fact that colorism is so, such a huge issue in our society in general. And it's something that Black people don't like to talk about it. it really makes people very uncomfortable yes, it to does. talk about yes. skin color. And the fact that there is a privilege that comes with being li- lighter skinned. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the fact that too many dark skinned women and girls are told that they aren't beautiful when they are and aren't taught to love themselves and to love their skin that they are in. Um, this novel really touches on that in a deep and resonant way that you know has stuck with me my entire life you know and i i have to double back yeah one of the things that uh when i was looking into this 50th year thing i i ran across an interview that tony morrison did and she talked about that she said that she wrote this book during you know this was the height of the black is beautiful era i mean this was 1970 Mm -hmm. when she wrote the book and she said a lot of like black men were writing these like really you know virulent and you know, vibrant narratives about Black beauty and Black excellence and blah, blah, blah. You know, obviously we've centered Black excellence in a lot of what we do at The Root, too. And she said that she wrote the book for those of us who had not caught on to the fact that we were beautiful yet or who had not had that opportunity to catch on. And obviously, 50 years later, that's still really real. So, which is devastating, but true. So you could not be more right. It is still required reading, I think, for Black girls in particular, as we're coming of age. Yeah. And there are two other classic novels that come to mind, both by Black authors, that I really think more people should read. One is, you know, considered to be one of the greatest books ever written by an African-American author, which is, of course, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. This is a book that I've read several times. I revisit constantly. I was riveted by it from, you know, the opening pages of like of the brawl that the unnamed character gets into for the amusement of these white men. And, you know, there's so many parts of it that I still like reference and, you know, in my daily life, uh, particularly about this idea that you're chasing this dream that's elusive for you because society is set up for it to be elusive. Mm hmm that you are basically a hamster on a wheel and you don't know you're on the wheel. And then you realize it's a wheel and it's like, oh man, mind blown. And so the book blew my mind. And the other book is a classic. I just got to read for the first time this year. 
It's Alexandra Dumas, George's, which is the only book that he wrote about being a man of color. It's a novel. Mm. Uh, it's based on the life of his father, who was half black. It was Haitian man, was a leader in Napoleon's army. Tall, handsome, you know, uh, just an amazing, incredible person who returns to Haiti to you know, get his birthright, basically. So this is one of the few stories that Dumas wrote from the perspective of a person of color, of a Black person. And so I highly recommend it. A lot of the elements from it pop up in the Counts of Monte Cristo. So a little bit is going to be a little familiar, but it's definitely, definitely a must-read for those who are looking for that perspective from an author who existed in a time period where, you know, so a lot of times we forget about what it was like for a free Black person of color, you know, in the in basically the 1800s. Mm. You know, and we most do people forget. in the U.S. were in yeah. bondage, you know, and so the, well, and, yeah. And, yeah, so it's not like a lot were allowed to tell their stories, which also makes me think of Never Caught, which is this book about Ona Judge, George Washington Slave that I read this year, too, which was really good. But anyway, I digress. I mean, we're out here. That's the whole point is we're out here. The stories are, you know, aren't easy to find, but they are out here and they're important. So I am right there with you. And I do need to read that Ona Judge. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's a good book. I highly recommend it. It's a page turner, too. It's definitely a page turner. Dig it. (laughs) So, uh, future classics like, what is a book that you read this year where you're just like, this is gonna be something people are gonna be reading for the rest of my life? This is something they're gonna read in schools, right? This is something they're gonna read in school. That's really now. See, that's that's a good one. Uh, The kids are gonna be reading it. (laughs) The kids are going to be, I mean, I have the ones I hope will be future classics. And then I have the ones I think definitely will. Like, I pretty much think anything by Isabel Wilkerson is going to end up being a classic. <laughs> like, I just, I it's think a good, the... It's a good choice. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Warmth of Other Sons cast, I, I really think that the amount of, the amount of history that she manages to pack in there, but like in these ways that are so like wonderfully like anecdotal and relatable and evocative like this imagery you know i think it makes this it makes it very accessible to kids and i hope that they do become classics because i think that obviously the story that she's telling is a story that we did not grow up getting told in school and it's really important especially i think for those of us you know like you and me danielle who you know when we talk about migration stories for instance that understanding of like how we got to where we are, like how your family ended up in in St. Louis, how my family ended up in Chicago. Like, I don't know that we were necessarily compelled to, or I wasn't at least, compelled to connect those dots in such a, a cultural way. Like, I mean, I knew my great grandparents were from Mississippi, but I didn't really think about this, you know, this huge cultural shift, this actual migration. Even when I would hear it, I wasn't thinking of it in the context of my own family all the time. I was just kind of like, oh, they're from there and that's what happened and blah, 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 blah. So having these books in the last, you know, come up in the last several years, I mean, because gosh, when did Warmth of Other Sons come out? It's been several years now. Yes, I had, I knew what the great migration was, all that kind of stuff, but I think I think it definitely prompted a deeper understanding for me in terms of my own family. Um, Morgan Jerkins did that again this year in Wandering in Strange Lands. And again, I think that it's something that we don't always get to do. 
and that more of us should do. So I look at our ancestry DNAs. I know we don't want to be imprinted by the feds, y'all, but you know, <laughs> but we want to know where we're from. Um, a book I hope becomes a classic. Also, somebody we featured on the show this year, George M. Johnson, All Boys Aren't Blue. Yes. I really felt like that was such an incredible story, such an affirmative story, very much like The Bluest Eye in terms of it being a story that hadn't existed for Black children, particularly Black children who are beyond the binary, who don't necessarily define themselves in that term, in those terms. And now that we are finally gaining the language to discuss that and we are gaining some amazing role models in in really addressing something that's always been there, I do hope that this is a book. I know that it's actually made its way into some schools already, so I'm hoping that it becomes more widely adopted because I think that the story that George is telling is so important and so, so sensitively wrought. Like, I was really in love with that, with that book. Um, what books do you think, do you predict are going to be classics? You know, one that I have started reading, I have not finished it, but I have a pretty good feeling that, you know, this is going to be a big deal. Um, and it'll be a book that young black people will go back to again and again is, um, I'm going to butcher her name. So I'm apologizing in advance. Tomi Adeyemi's yeah. uh, Children of Blood and Bone. Mm-hmm. The series that she has, um, you know, this, like, I obviously read a lot as a child, just as you did as well, Maisha, but a series like this just did not exist yeah. for me when I was growing up. Like, Black fiction was like, there was a lot of young adult Black fiction, but it wasn't like this, you know, it didn't have like this, you know, this amazing creative fantastical you know arc like a lot of the things that i read you know like cornbread earl and me like it was like rooted in reality you know yeah yeah it was very much i agree about the here and now or it was about you know it was like sounder you know where it's about sharecroppers or it was you know or it was just bleak i read a lot of really bleak black fiction would you say this is like our tolkien like (laughs) yeah like that's what i would say this is what this will be like like in the future you know people will talk about it the same way they talk about the line the witch in the wardrobe i hope yeah you know or harry potter i love that i love that pivot to like which book you know because it is christmas and i do like to give people books um i gave my uh fake i don't know what she is to me i guess she she's not really my mother-in-law like she's my best friend's mom what do you call i don't know what that relationship is called i call that my i call that well it's interesting because i actually have a a a technical step parent who is i call her so i call my stepmother my second mom but i call my best friend's mom like well, she lives in New York. She was my New York mom when I lived okay. in New York. So I called her my New York mom. She could be another bonus mom. Okay. Bonus friend mom. Mo- friend so, yeah. mom. Mom friend. I don't know. <laughs> no, well, I think the reason why it's complicated, my best friend's mom, my best friend is a guy, um, mm-hmm. wishes she was my mother-in-law. She revealed uh, yeah, sure that she this does. year, which was mad <laughs> awkward. 
And, you know, <laughs> I see him like a brother. He sees me as a little sister. And we were like, gross, gross, mom. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but yeah, I gave her Tanahasi's The Water Dancer. Because mm, mm-hmm. she she was a, a, a longtime editor at Disney. So she... Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. she was a book editor for their print label. So anyway, so she was excited. So I love to give people books. I gave my nephew a bunch of the bad guys books, uh, yes. which are illustrated stories about nefarious, you know, kid-friendly characters and, you know, the book that I will likely give, you know, if my oldest sister ever is a- ever able to travel and come visit me again, because she loves autobiographies, I'm definitely going to share with her the meaning of Mariah Carey. Really good one. Yeah, it was good so one. good. It really was. And I think, like, you know, again, so much, so it, it gave so much context to Mariah. Even, like, you know, she kind of opens it talking about how she's, like, perpetually 12. And I kind of love that because when you look at Mariah Carey or rainbows. even, like, her holiday session, it's all, like, rainbows and butterflies <laughs> and candy canes. Oh, my. You know? But it, it, you know, this is a real, living, breathing, heartfelt person who rightfully calls herself a diva and owns that. I just, I did, I found her so endearing. I actually really loved her. So I'm glad that you brought that up. You know, I am also a big book gift giver. And I, so, okay, this is a little sexy. (laughs) This is a little sexy. But uh, this is one of these books. I'm spending this holiday away from my significant other and have spent most of the year away from him. And that is its own thing. But, you know, you got to find ways to kind of keep it popping, keep it sparking, right? So one of my favorite books is a book, I'm, I'm holding it in my hand, <laughs> which should tell you how much how much play it gets. Uh, it's called Erotique Noir, Black Erotica. Yeah. So this is a book from the 90s. I want to say this came out in like 92, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I like I read that. It's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> so this is an anthology of, yeah. um, of, yeah, uh, of incredible that. writers. I mean, but you've got writers in here like Audre Lorde and Gloria Naylor and Alice Walker. I don't know if Tony's and Izaki Shage's in here. Um, you know, it's really intense and highbrow, but black, like very, like this is about us. And I love it. And, uh, <laughs> it, it's the sexy gift that I am sharing with my significant other this year because, you know, it's, it's a little something we could share. Yes. <laughs> something we yes. could share. Now on a more innocent tip. Very innocent. In fact, I, I, I'm huge on the kids book about series. And this was like founded by a black dad and writer and little ones in my family are getting that this year because I think, again, it's just, you know, there's these conversations that are difficult to have. And I think, you know, they're not bluest eye aged. <laughs> so these are really cute books that, you know, my eight year old nephew, I know you've got one of those too, can, can read on like difficult topics and maybe topics that he's not encountering at home. You know, I mean, his family's pretty nuclear, but you know, when your friends are going, their family's going through divorce, having, being able to explain that to your child can be a little weird. And so like, yeah, I love this series of books and I think it's so cool. So. Those are giftable books. And obviously, obviously, excuse me, our former president, Barack Obama's uh, <laughs> memoir yes. is, uh, you know, his first presidential memoir, which, oh, my God, why am I blanking? You know the name of this. I, I promised land. Thank you. The, the land we were promised. Can I get my 40 acres? 
You know, know, but that that is what I would be giving, you know, to my parents this year, really, you know, is is that book because it's they're at home, they're chilling, it's retirement time. And uh, yeah, I think that's what they want to dig into this year. So that's what they're getting. Yeah. (laughs) Nice, nice. I think the last book I gave my father was this nonviolent stuff will get you killed. Oh. Uh, which was um, a memoir about <laughs> a freedom summer in Mississippi in the 1960s. And it was about guns and the civil rights movement and how gun owners were a crucial, Black gun owners specifically, played a crucial role in the civil rights movement in that they protected the nonviolent protesters. Listen, let's, I mean, look... <laughs> There's been a lot of abuse of the Second Amendment, but let's also talk about the fact that sometimes, you know, when we look at like, yeah, what the Black Panthers did, you know, they were like, um, y'all put these laws or what? They don't apply to us. I mean, they really it is important to challenge that that perception that we just have to sit here and turn the other cheek yes. all the time. You know, it's very important that that presence be known. I, sh- I should also throw in there are two others giftable books that I, I am not gifting this year, but would which is Claudia Rankin's Just Us, mm-hmm. which, again, uh, it, it's an anthology of sorts. It's her, it's her <laughs> essays, poetry, art, etc. But this, when you talk about, like, thinkers and race and our current conversation, it's actually the subtitle is an American conversation. I think it would make an excellent gift. And also Black Imagination and Black Futures, um, two different books, but both of which, I think as we look towards 2021 and a horrible year and a new administration, Black Imaginations is a very small book full of small inspirations. That's by Natasha Marin. And then our buddies, our new buddies, <laughs> Jenna Wortham and Kimberly Drew did Black Futures, which is huge. What is that, like 500 pages? It's, I mean, that's it's. don't use it as a doorstop. It's a brilliant book. Um, yeah. <laughs> thumb through it anytime. But Talk about giftable books. And it's not expensive. It's like 40 bucks, I think. It's like an amazing gift to give. I would be really happy if that showed up. If I didn't already have it, I'd be happy if it showed up. Is there a particular book that you hope pops up under your Christmas tree, Maisha? Ooh, that is so good. Um, Yeah, I do. (laughs) Actually, I do. Uh, A pair of them, actually. I kind of would love it if somebody would gift me like the newest editions of Octavia Butler. Like, I feel like all of mine are like really like dog-eared and you know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of like afraid to touch them because I've touched them too much. I would love like something like that felt solid. That was like an Octavia Butler. A few Octavia Butler books would be really welcome under my tree. Um, I have not dug into Raven Leilani's Luster, which I really, really, really want to do, as well as Such a Fun Age which are both, interestingly enough, about like, these are kind of like millennial narratives about, you know, these these young Black people who, you know, encounter these really weird families, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I'm kind of, families and couples, et cetera, et cetera. I, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by those. I think I'm going to be digging in this holiday. I hate that I didn't get to them during this year because they were both bestsellers. But if somebody were to gift them to me, wink, wink, Danielle, <laughs> I would totally read them in the next couple of weeks while we're laying low. <laughs> awesome. So, I, What do you the, want under your tree? <laughs> you know, what I'm looking for is a good, well-written, riveting book about the French Revolution, you know, mm. because I realized this year, someone made like some random reference to some obscure part of the French Revolution in reference to Lindsey Graham in a tweet. 
And I was like, I just realized I don't have any real understanding of the French Revolution. And so I got really obsessed with learning about it, but it's been hard trying to find a really good book about it. So if you know of a really good book, this is to all you listeners out there, please tweet at Black Snob what that book is, because I'm I'm looking for it. I'd like to read it. Right, because I feel like all I'm going to recommend is like Les Miserables by Hugo. No, I don't want to read that. <laughs> but it's not like the musical. It's like an actual <laughs> You want like I'm a real aware. You aware. want a real history just, book. You want a really real history daunting. book. Okay, fair. Fair. But <laughs> <laughs> like you might as well just said War and Peace. I mean Here read this <laughs> giant thing. So really what I'm hearing is you want an economy of words and a wealth of information. Yeah. Okay then. Okay. Okay. Kind of like right. a French Revolution for dummies, but not that dumb. You know, like a little a little more elevated than that. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> Well, this 30 minutes just flew by, Maisha. We I mean, I think it was probably more about, than 30. Yeah, you know, I feel like we could talk about books forever. We could. And that is why it's lucky that we have a weekly podcast. So I will see you here next week. <laughs> we will talk about more books. <laughs> that is right. There's always more books to talk about on It's Lit. And I am looking forward to continuing this illustrious discussion with you. So thank you all for tuning in and we will see you next week. In the meantime, Merry Christmas, you guys. And 2020 is almost coming to a close. We're almost there. I know we're almost there. We're almost there. We did it. (laughs) We did it, y'all. The Root Presents It's Lit is produced by myself, Maisha Kai, and Michaela Heck. Our sound engineer is Ryan Allen. If you like the show and want to help us out, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Spread the word. If you have any thoughts or feedback or know any good books about the French Revolution you'd like to recommend to me, you can find <laughs> me on Twitter at Black Snob or on Instagram at Belton Danielle. And you can always find me at Maisha on Twitter. That's M-A-I-Y-S-H-A and at Maisha Kai on Instagram. And before we go, we usually talk a little bit about what we're currently reading, but that's what this whole episode was about. It absolutely was. I want to ask Maisha, what are you currently watching? What TV show or film are you really into this week? Oh, wow. Wow, you're good. Bonus points if it's based on a book. <laughs> okay. Um, what am I watching this week? That's based on book. You just totally put me on the spot. Well, uh, I'm not gonna get those bonus points, but I, I am. I am watching uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Like that's right. that's a thing I'm watching this week. So it's based on a play, and since the it's lit is about all kinds of wordsmiths, I want my bonus points. Uh, I'm also really looking forward to getting into Shonda Rhimes' new thing on <laughs> Netflix. Because, you know, I love a period drama. Is it Bridgerton? I think it's called. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. What are you watching? Because, I mean, I know we're both film and TV people, too. How do we find the time? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, I've been watching. I I, I, I can't say anything as impressive as you, as you just said. Because <laughs> I've been decompressing. <laughs> so I've been re-watching old seasons of Real Housewives of Atlanta. 
I'm not mad at it. I'm really not. I'm not. I have no judgments about that. In fact, I'm like, I need to catch up. Like, sometimes you just need a little something, like, going in the background. Yeah, I just need something that's on in the background. That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it for us this week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. And next week, it'll be a new year, and we will keep it lit. Yay!